The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chair. Back on the right wing, and Nurse will come out. He's got McDavid. Nurse will skate down the right wing and over the line. Nurse to pass. McDavid scores! What a rush. Connor McDavid! He puts it in! And the Oilers win 3-2 in overtime. The 50th shot of the game for the Edmonton Oilers makes the difference 3-2 in overtime against the Vancouver Canucks. Nurse down the right side in front. McDavid flips it in to end the game, his 20th of the season, as the Oilers pull it out. Another comeback from 2-0 down. They were down 2-0 after the first period Saturday against Calgary. 2-0 after 2 tonight. Ryan McLeod scored from a sharp angle at 6:33, And then Leon Dreisaitl with his patented one-timer at 10:24, as the Oilers kept the pressure on after a power play expired, got his 29th. That got it into overtime. And the Oilers beat Spencer Martin, the 26-year-old for the Canucks, just making his second appearance of the season and just the fifth in the NHL in his career. Well, he was pretty good, but he's still looking for his first victory. Miko Koskinen, meanwhile, gets the victory. 25 saves tonight. He faced two breakaways, both of them shorthanded, both by Tyler Mott. Mott scored in the second period. Koskinen denied him in the third, and that allowed the Oilers to tie it up a little bit later on. Pretty entertaining game, and we'll go back to Vancouver. Here's Dave Tippett to work its way back in this hockey game. What did you make of their team's effort tonight? I thought we were strong the whole game. You know, we were down two. We felt like we were uh, we were playing well, so we had to stick with it in the third. McLeod got a, a big goal for us to get going, then our power play really dominated for a couple minutes and finished one, and, and then it was exciting. We had lots of chances to win it, and I was, uh, I was glad to see the final one go in. Miko Koskin probably wanted that first penalty kill goal yeah. against back, but... He- did he make up for it with that? Made a second? huge, made a huge save. We don't, we don't get that save. It's, uh, you know, they go up by two again, and it's, it's uh, you're chasing, you know. So he, uh, he even things out for us there. What did you make of Nugent Hopkins' play, especially on that pass to Drysaddle? Real strong. Like he just, he touches so many parts of the game. He's a strong player, really smart, and uh, he's still getting up to speed when you miss that much time. But he played a real strong game tonight. What's the mindset like? I mean, a goaltender you haven't seen, you probably don't know much about, and he has a game like that. How do you? Like, what's the approach on the bench? What do you say to guys as that goes on? You know, you don't even talk about that. You're, you're talking about what your team's doing and keep going. And, you know, we had our normal scouting report on him. Our, our goaltender coach does a good job of bringing guys up to speed. But we just had to stay with it. We had lots of chances. We just had to stay with it and found a way to get the two points. What does it say? It's 2 nothing down two games in a row and you found a way to come back. What does it yeah, say? It's not, not, ideal, uh, not ideal, but it's nice that we find ways to come back. That uh, shows a lot of will on our team. How much significance, Dave, could a comeback win like this, especially after snapping a seven-game losing streak on Saturday, could that impact the rest of not only this week, this month, but the season? You start building up again, you know, when you're when you're not winning, especially you know we felt like there were some games we we were losing, we weren't we were playing all right, but to find ways to win that gets you know it gets contagious. So throughout our group, you get you build that confidence back, and then hopefully we can go on a good run the other way. 
a, a good time for uh, McDavid to get off the schneid of the goal column, yeah, of course. Very much so, yeah. He's, he's around it a lot. Just it's nice to see one go in for him. All right, that's Dave Tippett, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, as they score a 3-2 overtime win against the Canucks. Edmonton carried the play. Uh, I, I mean, we got to point out here, the shot's 50-27. to 27. The shot attempts, so that includes blocked shots and shots that went wide, were 94-43. And uh, at one time, they flashed the offensive zone time in the third period, and it was over 2-1 to one in favor of the Oilers. So they stick with it and get the win tonight. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown with you in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, I, I want to start here. I've been watching hockey all my life. You were lucky enough to play in the NHL for several seasons. The smartest decision the National Hockey League has ever made <laughs> is introducing three-on-three overtime. I mean, I know the Oilers carried the play, but it's just constant tension and one puck bobble, one little turnover could decide the game. I mean, it is just so amazing to watch. It is. And it's funny when the NHL first put in shootouts, remember how excited it was? We were, oh, right, there's a shootout. It's the best in the world going one-on-one. And we, and it was fun. It was fun to watch. Yet it pales so much in comparison to a three-on-three overtime when the best in the world have all that space, it's chance after chance. Uh, it w- that was exciting. And it would be, it, we've seen a number of ones where the others haven't won in overtime yet were just as exciting because, yes, it, it, it's a, the stress, the stress for both teams, for both coaches going back and forth. And it's one of those ones in a normal game, if you get a, an odd man break and, and you don't score, the only fact that you didn't score in overtime if you have an odd man break and you miss it, normally it turns into an odd man break going the other way, whether it be a two-on-one or a breakaway. So the stress level of, of failing to capitalize on an odd man is huge when it comes to three-on-three overtime. Uh, a ton of fun. And this is one of those, as a Oiler fan, you're ecstatic the way that this game finished. As a hockey fan, you, you have a little bit of sadness for Spencer Martin and the game that he put up and he wasn't able to get his first NHL. The, the Oilers beat the Calgary Flames the other day, and everyone was excited about it. But I, to me, the Oilers weren't the better team for most of that game. Tonight in this game for 65 or whatever, and it's were superior to the Vancouver Canucks. Even when they were down 2 nothing. the Oilers were the better team through the first 40 minutes and were rewarded. It took time, but were rewarded with a big two points. So 3-2 is the final. That means a $300 donation to 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. James H. Brown given $100 every time the Oilers score throughout the season. So after getting the uh, sh- getting shut out by Florida a few days ago, the Oilers now have scored eight in their last two games. Ryan Nugent Hopkins returns, Rob, and uh, I-, I think we saw the impact that he can have. Now, the Oilers tying goal by Leon Dreisaitl was after a power play expired where the Oilers had tremendous pressure. I mean, just insane the chances they had. A couple misses. Martin made a couple of great saves. And then we see Nugent Hopkins. And and look, Yamamoto has been in that spot. And, And I think you and I both agree Yamamoto works really hard and is a smart hockey player. But Nugent Hopkins delivers a pass to Drysaddle that I think very few players. I mean, maybe very few players wouldn't have even tried, let alone converted. 
Well, it wasn't a power play goal, but it was a goal that was created by their power play. And in all honesty, on four, the Vancouver Canucks were probably better prepared to defend than they were when the fifth guy came on the ice. Because by that point, their four defenders were exhausted. They couldn't even move. And that's why Nugent Hopkins had so much time to make the play is no one was going to rush him because they had didn't have the energy. What you love about Nugent Hopkins, and this is watch the the good players in the National Hockey League to compare it to the average. Average player, the puck will come to them, and then they'll look to make a play. The good players will have already found where that puck is going, and Nugent Hopkins looks before the puck gets to him. He read the play. He knew the puck was going to come to him, so he looked to see where the passing lane was and where... Leon Dreisaitl's stick was. So when the puck finally got to him, it was instantaneous. He was able to put the puck right where he needed it to be. And if it's not the perfect pass, it probably doesn't end up in the net because Spencer Martin got across. His body was almost all the way there. So if Leon Dreisaitl had to uh, hesitate at all to find a, a different shooting angle, then that's not a goal. So credit first Nugent Hopkins finding the play and then putting it in the absolute perfect spot for Leon to put it in the back of the net. The Oilers take it 3-2. Miko Koskinen now gets his second consecutive win. He stops 25 out of 27 tonight. Uh, You know, I see some people debating the Elias Peterson goal. Well, you know, welcome to life as an NHL goaltender, I guess, Rob. But, uh, you know, he he faced two shorthanded breakaways. Uh, Tyler Mott beat him in the second period. And then obviously the save in the third. I mean, Dave Tippett didn't come out and say it. He said we would have been chasing again. I'll come out and say it. I think that would have effectively ended the game because it would have been 3-1 Vancouver with 11 and a half minutes to go. Oh, I agree. And I said that to Bob after the game. That was the the two points right there. If the, their power play gives up a second shorthanded goal in a game and they fall behind by two again, that rejuvenates a Vancouver Canuck club that at that point was reeling a bit. And it deflates an Oiler club that was... Uh, uh, being very aggressive. He made a big save. The Elias Peterson goal, that is a a pure goal score doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Put the puck through the defenseman's legs, use the defenseman as a screen, and it's one of those wrist shots that it's hard to pick up for a goalie. So yeah, when Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisettle shoot like that and they score, we all applaud them. So I'm going to applaud Pedersen. To me, that is just a goal score or goal. Uh, But Koskinen made the saves he had to. He wasn't nearly as busy as Martin was in the other end, but we talked about that, I think it was after the first period, that there were going to be lulls in this game where Koskinen would be lonely because the puck was going to be in the opposite zone, but at some point he was going to have to come up with a save because the puck was going to come out in a grade-A scoring chance, and Mott had that. Connor turned the puck over the blue line, and all of a sudden it's a breakaway for a guy who's already scored shorthanded, and Koskinen made a big save, and it was shortly after that that the Edmonton Oilers tied the game up. And Ryan McLeod got the comeback started for the Oilers at 6.33 of the third. I mean, he busts down the right wing, and uh, you talk about it a lot, shooting from bad angles, because you never know when one is going to slip in. Well, it's really hard for a goaltender to front uh, a shot from a bad angle because when you're facing in normal areas, the goaltender's tracking it and he's getting his body in a position so that he knows, okay, here's where I'm going to stand, cut the angle, and this is how I can deflect the puck into where I want it to go. Now, A, it's not a good goal, but if you watch at the end of every night, if you stay up and watch the, the, the sports net and all the different highlights, every night there's bad angle goals scored. Every night. And there's a goaltender can try and cover everything. And you could, it's, it has to take a perfect 
and lucky shot to beat you. And that's what that was, but it was a shot. And McLeod's had open nets this year where he's tried passing the puck. And on this one, it was simple. You're coming with speed. And again, when you're coming with speed, the goaltender's having to back up. So he's moving backwards as you're shooting the puck stride. Uh, well, you're not going to compare it, compare him to Mark Messi, but that's how Mark Messi used to do. He used to come down with speed on his off wing, off back foot, and just fire one at the net and had a ton of success doing it. So McLeod, I think, just learned in the last little while that there's no such thing as a bad shot. And sometimes you get a little lucky. And when it, we talk about when there's puck after puck and shot after shot going in on a goaltender, eventually something's going to slip through. And with Martin, I mean, I don't know what shot that was for, for the team. That might have been around 40 on the night. But it just snuck through. And then all of a sudden there's belief with the Oilers. And there was a little fear in the Vancouver Canucks. And the Oilers ended up getting two points because of that goal. That's our adjustment of the game for pro drain text for peace of mind down the line. 3-2 Edmonton wins it in overtime. I want to ask you about the decision at the start of overtime uh, as it was McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Nurse together to start. Uh, I, I know Louie and Jack were talking about when was the last time that, that happened. Well, I think it happened last year in Montreal. Remember when they played those two games against the Canadians that didn't really have any impact on the, on the standings? And I think Cahoon and Dreisaitl might have started, or they might have been the second wave out, because remember, Cahoon scored in overtime one of those games. Uh, but there, there's a bit of a choice there. Instead of starting Leon and Connor, they started McDavid and Nugent Hopkins as the forwards. Well, a lot of it has to do. The Oilers haven't been as good in overtime as they have been in the past. You know, two years ago, that never would have happened because Connor and Leon finished every game, usually in the first minute, minute and a half of the, the overtime, but the Oilers haven't had success. And what with Vancouver missing some top-end talent, a Horvat and a Garland, if you if you don't win it in the first shift, well, now the second shift comes out. Vancouver can't match up as well. And nothing against Dickinson, who was out there uh, when Connor scored back-checking. He's not Connor Garland. He's not Bo Horvat. So if you split those two players up, Connor and Leon, as Louis DeBrus said on TV, your second unit's got a 50-goal score and the league's leading score coming out. So usually the team sends their best players out. So the Vancouver Canucks survived Connor McDavid and out comes the NHL's leading scorer scored 50. So I like what Dave Tippett did. Anytime you have success and you do something different, you're going to be praised for it. So Dave Tippett feeling pretty good about himself with that decision. All right, let's go back to Vancouver. The guy who got the overtime winner, Connor McDavid. That being down two nothing and following up Saturday's win with another victory tonight. That's important. Um, you know, you got to get, you want to get it on a little roll here. Um, obviously, that's the main focus. And um, you know, it was a big win on Saturday. It's a big win tonight. Um, you know, but uh, got to keep marching forward. Now, throughout the losing streak and that 14, 16 game span, I should say. You guys felt like you guys were doing a lot of the right things, but just weren't necessarily getting the bounces your way. Did you guys feel like you guys got a bounce on McLeod's goal? I mean, it's 16 games. It's tough to, to blame it all on bounces. No, you know, we, sure. did, we didn't, uh, you know, we weren't playing our best hockey. We knew that, you know. Um, um, you know, but bounces do go a long way in this game. And, um, you know, Cotter found a way to sneak one through there on a guy that was playing pretty well. So um, it was a big goal for us and uh, kind of got us back in it. What about on a personal level? Uh, quite a time to get back in the goal column, first goal in six games. Yeah, I've been a bit snake bit. You know, I uh, feel like I'm getting my chances, but you know, haven't had uh, 
haven't been able to put one away. So you know, it was nice to, to be able to contribute and uh, and find a way to score a goal. That's two in a row where you're down two nothing in the game, Connor. You find a way to come back. What does it do for the confidence of the group? Yeah, that's not a recipe for success. Um, you know, but. Uh, you know, we can't find a way to seem to score the first goal. So if you can't score the first goal, you got to be able to come back in games. So, you know, we've done that two nights in a row and, you know, focus is on a good start on Thursday. What's the conversation like or the mindset like against the goaltender? I'm guessing you would have known from the OHL, but a guy we haven't seen at the pro level in much at all and maybe guys don't know about what was kind of the approach there? Uh, it seems to go either two ways with guys that you don't know. You know, they either lay an egg or, you know, they're amazing. And, uh, you know, we've seen both. And, um, you know, tonight he was... Uh, he was amazing. You know, he played well. We had lots of chances. You know, he made saves. He uh, was in the right position all night. And um, you know, we had to work for our goals, and, and we found a way to get a couple by him. Nico's been under a lot of scrutiny. That save on Tyler Mott in the second short kind of breakaway, what did that do for your group? Yeah, massive. He really bailed me out there. Um, you know, going down, uh, I guess it would have been 3-1 there. would have been... Uh, would have been tough, but uh, you know we would have we would have continued to battle. But you know, obviously Meeks is, uh, has taken a lot of heat, and um, you know we we, we want to play well for him in front of him, and um, he'll make his nights easier. And uh, you know that we didn't uh, necessarily do that tonight, but you know he made a couple big saves, and that was one of them. Do you remember Spencer at all from from the OHL? I mean, it's a long time ago, but just curious. Yeah, for sure. You know, he was uh, a GTHL kid, and. Um, he was great back then in minor hockey, and he was good in junior. And you know, he's kind of one of those guys where you're just waiting for him to make it to the NHL. And for goalies, it takes a little while longer. And you know, it seems like he needed a bit of a break. And you know, uh, with the you know the COVID bug going around, it seemed like that's kind of his break. And he's played well. Um, you know, he's played really well. Connor, the return of Nugent Hopkins today. You played on a line with him. What can you say about his game, and especially on that pass to Drysaitel? Uh, he sees the game so well. He's such a great player. Um, he's uh, he's so smart out there, um, and he just makes the game so much easier for everybody around him. So great to have him back in the lineup, and, and you know that's an all-world pass to, to find Leo there. And you know, when Leo gets chances like that, they usually go in. Thanks. Thanks. All right, that's Captain Connor McDavid, a goal and an assist tonight as the Oilers come back from 2-0 down after two periods to beat the Canucks 3-2 in overtime. We have time to hear from you, of course, on the hotline, 780-496-0063. It's presented by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty, pro all the way. Oilers take it 3-2 in overtime. Back in a couple of minutes with more Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. McDavid, but he lost it to Mott. He'll get a shorthanded breakaway. Mott comes in, shot, oh, the save by Koskinen, got it with a pad, made the two pads stack. Yeah, that is Miko Koskinen's save of the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at Reface Magic. .ca. Koskinen gets the victory, so his record on the season, 14-8-1-3-2. The Oilers win in overtime. Their record, 20-16-2. The Canucks get a single point. They are 18-19-5. Oilers back home on Thursday to take on the Nashville Predators, who played tonight. We'll go through the scoreboard here in a couple minutes, but first, let's go to the Certainty Hotline, 780-496-0063. We have Sir Robert standing by. Hey, Sir Robert, go ahead. Hey, boys. How you doing? Pretty good. Well, I go. I guess I want to start with. I have a. I've got a. Uh, I've got a. Uh, uh, 
Uh, I got a quick question here for Rob. I guess uh, uh, I guess my question is on that uh, on that. Uh, 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 on that goal by uh, McLeod, I know we, you know I know we talk about you know shooting and sh- shooting the puck and getting it on net, but I guess uh, 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 you know but like I guess uh, I guess I'm kind of wondering like uh, if you're shooting it if you're shooting it from that angle as a player, are you shooting that because you see a hole there or are you shooting that thinking okay I'm just hoping that it hits the goalie and goes in? You're shooting it because you have no other play. You know, you're not you're not thinking it's going to go in. You're just putting the puck on net because it's a shot on net, and anything can happen. But normally, when you shoot from there and the puck goes in, you're quite surprised. And I'm sure McLeod was. You could see it in the expression in his face. But you put and you put it in the right spot. You want to go in the feet area or somewhere because when you go down in a butterfly, put it in the feet or right around the the sides of his body. You don't want to go high because normally going high, the goaltender is just going to block it with his gloves. But put it in an area where he can't move it. It just if there's a spot, if you can hit the spot, it goes in. So that was a great place where he put it. Yeah. Okay. No. And I guess I have a I have a couple thoughts too. I guess you know I, I'm still you know I'm still I'm still a little concerned with this trend of them falling behind every game. I mean we've been we've been kind of uh, beating a dead horse for two months about that now. But you know I think uh, I think if they're if they're going to find a way to get on a uh, on a uh, consistent run, I think uh, I think something has to change there. They need to find a way to turn that around. Start uh, start finding a way to score first. One thought, and then uh, my second second quick thought here, I guess, is on Nuge. I thought tonight he looked good. Now he had a now he had a he had a couple chances. That that, that pass he made to Drysaitel. I mean, like the vision there, because because uh, like, it was like, it was it was so quick. It's like he got it, quick pass, boom, shot, goal. So I guess uh, I guess uh, I guess I'll leave it at that. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, Robert. You know, Rob, it's it's. I mean, as, as we've said several times, it's just crazy talking about the first goal against. So <laughs> ten in uh, yeah. a row, ten mm-hmm. in a row, sixteen of the last seventeen, twenty-five of the last twenty-nine. The others have allowed the first goal. This was their thirty-eighth game of the season. They've scored first ten times. Well, and Reed, this is a team. This is a team that has the two best players in the NHL on it, including the NHL's leading point getter, and Connor McDavid. It's not the Detroit Red Wings. It's not the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, the the expansion Seattle Crack. And this is a team that's got the two best offensive players. It's not not just the best two best. You know, maybe all round players or or guys that are capable of playing in both ends. These guys are are made for offense. So that's what's more shocking about it. They've got two guys that put the puck in the net consistently and have for their their entire NHL careers, yet aren't able to score before the other team does. So it is silly. And again, it the Oilers have shown the ability to come back in games. But again, it's one thing to do it against Vancouver. It's another to do it against Vegas in the playoffs or Winnipeg in the playoffs or St. Louis. Or you you, you need to get that out of your game because odds say when the other team scores. They're usually going to win the hockey game. Yeah, I mean it's 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 mind-boggling. I mean the NHL record is sixty, and that was literally the worst NHL team to ever play. <laughs> the Washington Capitals <laughs> and the Oilers. Yeah, so that's what I mean. It, it, yeah. it, it, the Washington Capitals were a team that I mean they probably had no one that had over thirty-five points on their team. These are, they're going to probably have the other probably going to have the leading score and the second leading score. They're probably going to go one-two by season's end. And yet they still 
can't score first. And the thing is, some of these games, it's it's not as though there was a stretch where in the first three, four minutes of a game, the other team would score. And there's been games where it's been in the first shot on net. And those are hard to, it's hard to beat that. But we're, we have games that are going late in the first, games that have gone into the second period where they've given up the first goal. And still your top two players aren't able to score first. So you would hope it's a trend that eventually evens out. And if it does, that bodes well for the others in the second half. But uh, they're getting saves now. They're getting timely goal scoring late in hockey games. Hopefully now the next thing they fix is their early starts. Well, they like playing in the division now 10-2 and two against the Pacific Division with the win tonight, so that's something to keep in mind there as we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. How about this, Rob? The Edmontonian, Tyler Ennis, hat-trick tonight. So he goes from one goal to four as the Senators <laughs> pound the Sabres 5 nothing. I tell you, if you're a stats freak and most pro hockey players are and you get the stat sheets before every game, I tell you, it looks so much better when there's a four beside your name under goals instead of just one. And uh, it's nice when uh, an offensive player gets rewarded. I've, I've seen him, he played well when he played against the Oilers last time they were here and this time he got rewarded tonight. So good on him. Dallas all over the New Jersey Devils. 5-1 is the final. The Penguins take down the Coyotes 6-3. They got four goals in the third period to take control of that one. Hurricanes get a 4-3 overtime victory over the Golden Knights. Ajo scored twice, including the game winner. He's up to 19 on the season. The Panthers beat the Jets 5-3. I mean, a few scores along the way here, and I know it's early, Rob, but they do help the Oilers. Jets losing. Vegas only gets a single point. Uh, the Predators, who are going to be here on Thursday night, win in Seattle 4-2. Okay, and a couple things to mention from this Islanders-Flyers game. Rob, first of yep. all, Keith Yandel, the, the record for most consecutive games played, 965. Incredible. And uh, the Islanders win 4-3. Four four By the way, the Flyers are winless in 13 games. Well, I think what it's showing you too is it's not so much the first coach they fired. This might be something on the general manager because this is a team that was built. And it was supposed to, this team was supposed to be better. This was supposed to be a playoff caliber hockey club, uh, and they are abysmal. So it'll be interesting to see at the trade deadline because in the West, there's a lot of teams that are out of the playoffs. In the East, you could almost say the top eight teams are in the Islanders with an outside chance, but they have to have something silly to go to, to come back and make a playoff. So it's almost the top eight are already set out in the East. The Philadelphia Flyers got a couple of players that are unrestricted free agents, including Claude Giroux. If he allows himself, because I'm guessing he's got a no trade or he gets to decide, you imagine that pickup for any team that wants to compete for a Stanley Cup, Claude Giroux, not only is he a great offensive player, but he's got some nastiness in his game. He's the kind of guy you want on your team in a playoff. So yeah, the Philadelphia Flyers are bad really bad and it's got to be a very very ugly time and that's where you feel for this Yandel. that's a pretty amazing uh, moment and it's in the midst of this horrible horrible losing streak really weird season there in philadelphia they started the year four one and one they were eight four and two then they had the 10 game winless skid and the reason i say winless and not losing streak is because the nhl records it as a winless streak if you do get a couple of overtime points so they were oh and two oh eight and two and then they came out of that with a run where they went 5-0-2 and were back above 500, and now they, they haven't won a game since December 30th. So it's, it's not as if they haven't played well uh, in stretches. But, uh, I, mean, I mean, look, we, 
And I'm not saying necessarily the Oilers are totally out of it. We'll see where it goes. But we saw the Oilers win, you know, twice in 14 games. Well, the Flyers have had a 10-game winless skid, and now they're in the middle of a of a 13, playing Los Angeles next in a few days. Yeah, no, it, it would be an ugly time there. And, uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling they may be cleaning house a little bit when, when season's end. This is a team that's underachieved now for a few years. And it's just come to a boil this year. So uh, look for the Philadelphia Flyers to start unloading players over the next little while. Okay, and right here on 630, Chet, the Oilers win it over the Canucks 3-2 in overtime. Whenever Edmonton scores five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Gold Light on 630Ched.com. That allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu. Visit jvedmonton.ca. All right, let's visit the Certainteed Hotline, 780-496-0063. We have Steve standing by. Steve, go ahead, my man. Hey, Reed, Rob. I've got a... Uh... A uh, question for Rob on a possible solution for scoring the first goal in the first period, which has been an issue. Mm-hmm. Rob, with all the teams that you played on and all the guys you know in the league, when you were in the room, did a coach ever say to you, or not you, but the team, guys, I'm putting 75000 on the table <laughs> to, to the next guy that scores the first bloody goal in the first bloody period? The the problem is seventy five thousand to me. My first NHL year, that might have been how much I made the whole season. Seventy five grand to this. Like some of these guys probably have it in their pocket. You might need a little more incentive. I can tell you this: that I have played on teams where there have been incentive, financial incentives for certain things, whether it's a win, whether it's a five game segment. Uh, a weekend in the minors. We have three games this weekend, this many points, you get this much money each. So I have played on teams with incentive that way. Um, I'm not sure in today's NHL, A, if you can do it, because then it would probably count against the salary cap, (laughs) or B, how many of these players need it. Now I can tell you these players are trying to score the first goal, but I can tell you this. If somebody was to put $75,000 up for the next Oiler game, for the first goal, I will ask for a tryout. I could use that 75000 I will stand in front of the net and take a beating. I think I can deflect something off some body part to gain that $75,000. i have got a willingness to win some money. You know, I'm just trying to look this up. I can't remember the name of the player, but you remember Jeff Fisher coached the, the Tennessee Titans? Yep. Mm-hmm. He coached other teams, but I think it was when, with the Titans. I, I, man, I'm trying to just Google it now, but of course, as I'm doing it on the fly, I, I'm probably not going to come up with it in time. Uh, but there was a a player who reached some kind of a milestone, and he gave him some very expensive bottle of fine wine, and the NFL said that counts against the cap. Like that's, you know, a form of payment to the player, <laughs> giving well, yeah, him something of that value. Well, yeah, you're right. So and I don't know if a coach I mean. now, if the players got together and each put some money in, I don't know if it's it different. Stay. And and players do in the National Hockey League, and I'm guessing they still do it now. They did when I did. If if I was coming to Edmonton, my hometown, I would throw a hundred dollars on the board. So whoever gets the game winner tonight gets a hundred bucks, or a hundred dollars will go into our team party fund. So players do do that. But yeah, if if a coach puts it on the line, then or a team puts it on the line, there will be a salary cap implications. And unfortunately for the Oilers. $75,000, that might put them over at some point here in the next little while. There might have to be a player have to sit out. 
want to make sure that uh, that guy gets a 75 grand, but it might be worth it if they can get the first goal in a hockey game. I, I got to say, I like the way Steve is thinking. He must do his best thinking between 11 p.m. and midnight. That's what I That think. is a very good thought process. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do like it too. And you know what? I Every th- Thursday morning, I'm on the ice with my, uh, well, there'd be grade threes, fours, and fives. For a little money up, I could score on some of those little goaltenders <laughs> for the first goal up. of the morning. <laughs> Go bar down on the little seven-year-old, oh, then celebrate the right in front of him. <laughs> taking the lunch money from the kids. That is incredible. Uh, we do have a winner of a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. I set the line before the game at two and a half for total power play goals in the game. There were zero. <laughs> So Dan gets it. River Cree Resort and Casino excitement. Bet on it. He took uh, the under tonight. There was a shorthanded goal. So the Oilers were 0 for 3 on the power play. And uh, the Canucks were 0 for 1. The power play update for Extreme Power Products, your full-line Kubota dealer with four locations, including a new one in Camrose. Check out Extreme with an XPowerProducts.com. You know, the Vancouver fans were uh, booing the penalty call in the third period. The, the cross-checking call against Connor McDavid that was uh, assessed on Ekman Larson. You know what, Rob? If To me, that's a penalty all day long. But this is what we talk about sometimes. The problem is, is that push from the back isn't always called. Like, we've seen mm-hmm. more vicious ones than that uh, not called this season. And I, I think probably that's the, the one I find the most frustrating when a cross check near the boards isn't called. So I, I, I like, I, I think that should be called all the time, but I imagine there were Canucks fans sitting there like, wait a minute, five games ago, that happened to JT Miller, Peterson, whoever, and it mm-hmm. wasn't called. No, you're, you're right. Uh, they probably could have yelled at the Brad hunt penalty on Connor McDavid. That was a terrible call. Uh, but the, the one tonight on, on McDavid behind the net, the thing is it, it wasn't a hard cross check. And we see way worse throughout the game in, in open ice or in front of the net. But it's just when you're skating towards the boards, it, it doesn't take much. It, 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 some guy can just give you a, a slight shove, something that you would, you would do when you're opening a door. But just because you're in a prone position, and if you toe pick or it gets you just at the right moment when you're crossing over, it could have disastrous results. And that's what you got to get out of the game. I agree 100%. That is a penalty, and it should have been a penalty. And it, and I can see where the player's like, I didn't push him hard, but you don't have to push him in that position because at that point he's going towards the, the, the boards. And if he goes down, the first thing that's hitting the boards is his head or his neck, and bad things can happen. So, yeah, the, the, the hunt penalty, not, not a good call. That penalty, it's automatic. you got to call that every single time. And you're right, they don't, and it's too bad. Someday somebody's going to look at my search history for tonight and wonder why was Reed googling Jeff Fisher Jeff Fisher wine salary cap. I hope I got the right coach. <laughs> well, uh, the best part is you're doing that. I know for a fact that if I start playing with my computer trying to Google something, I'm going to end up not being on air anymore. I'm going to have something come on air that shouldn't come on air. So I just completely stay away from my computer in moments like this. Okay, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. I might have the wrong coach. i got to find out now before the end of the night. Uh, we'll welcome Scott to the show as the Oilers win 3-2 in overtime. Hi, guys. Hey, go ahead, buddy. Thanks for taking my call. Um, a couple things, uh, especially about overtime at the end here, but I just wanted to say firsthand, um, I was really disappointed in when I looked at the pregame lineup tonight. 
and I uh, just uh, well, just mostly for me, it's JP and um, Yamamoto where they're placed and whatever. But that being said, I, I shut up because we totally dominated tonight. Hats off to Tippett the way they were then, and I've been all over Tippett lately, so that takes a lot for me to say. But last year, uh, I, I talked to you guys, and you guys kind of ganged up on me a little bit because I wanted, uh, and this is a, a, in all regards to overtime tonight, and I, I just loved seeing McDavid and Drysaddle split up, loved seeing JP out there, loved seeing uh, Keith out there, and I was like, okay, is this who, who's making these calls? It can't be Tippett. But at the same point in time, last year, I was uh, when you guys ganged up on me, you and Rob, uh, it was about JP and Chase on. I wanted Chase on out of there. I wanted JP on the, on the power play. And we also talked about on that same segment that uh, that these guys are taking too long on the um, on the shifts, McDavid and and uh, Drysaddle. And okay, McDavid can handle it a lot better than Drysaddle. Drysaddle's got to shorten his shifts. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't remember exactly what we talked about last year. I do have a question though. Uh... Yamamoto Pugliarvi. I mean, they had pretty good centers tonight. So, wh- yeah. where did you want? Where did you want to see them? I, I wanted them switched. At, oh, I see. Okay. For, for me, for me, um, I think uh, Yamamoto has been gifted top top uh, six minutes since he got into the NHL. I don't understand that. When you had, uh, well, I shouldn't say that because uh, Yak. Let's say Yakupov. He was on in the running for the Calder with with Kruger. Then Eakins comes in here and absolutely ruins them. Yeah, hey, Yakupov um, was no good. Well, well, okay, that's fair. But he was. How, how do you how do you run in? How do you get in the running for the Calder? If you're absolutely. He, no he good. had a good but run. He's, okay, guy, we're not talking. We're not talking about, not we're not talking about Nail Yakupov. Like that's no, ancient. That's no, no. ancient history. Okay. Uh, even if you look at JP, like when he came in here, okay, maybe he didn't he didn't understand the language. That's the big thing. But it, it seems like a big thing with. Uh, you know, our, our first rounders and stuff that they've got to, you know, put your time in on the third or fourth, third line especially. But Yamamoto, man, I mean, like he's been gifted. I mean, you look at last year, uh, most of the year he did nothing for the first 25, 30 games this year, absolutely nothing. And he, and they just, I, I don't get it. Well, who, where would, who would you put on the first line tonight other than Yamamoto? I would have put JP on there. Yeah, Pugliarvi's playing with Drysaddle, who's the league's leading scorer. Okay, so like the first line, I mean, um, as far as JP goes, I mean, he's been playing with McDavid for most of the year. Yeah, and it got stale. It got stale. The team, the team won two games out of its last fifteen. It got stale, so they had to make changes. Pugliarvi's yeah, playing with, with the league's back. leading scorer. I think when Hyman's back, Scott, maybe maybe Yamamoto will get bumped down, or or, Hope, sure Fogel, or, or Frogel will get bumped down. But my, Fogel my will get bumped point, down. My whole point, guys, that like I said, I mean, I was disappointed with it, but I had to shut up because it worked really good and we dominated. So, I mean, well, Yamamoto had a good game. Was, I thought Yamamoto, Yamamoto had a very good game. Yeah, he got he had a pretty good game. I mean, that's, yeah, but, I mean, that's you, why you, I you're mad that up. you're mad that Pugliarvi was playing with Drysdale. So that's what I don't understand. No, that's no, he's I'm leading not. the NHL. No, no, he's I'm not, not mad about that, that, Rob. I'm not saying that, Rob, at all, at all. I was just like disappointed pregame before. I mean, mm-hmm. that they weren't swapped. Yeah, uh, that's what that's I mean. What that's I what I'm saying, though. Pl- but like. Yeah. Okay, Pugliarvi we're good, guys. We're good. Scott, thanks yeah. for calling. So uh, this is, uh, to me, Pugliarvi, I, I like Pugliarvi better with 
with Leon. And I, 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 know, I look forward to Hyman, Pugliarvi, and Leon being a line. And then you can put, who, I mean, if you, pull, if you want to put Yamamoto with McDavid, if they go and get another player, which they probably are going to do to put with McDavid, you can put Nugent Hopkins up there. I want to see a big, strong line with three big men, Hyman, Pugliarvi, and Leon. They are very good from the top of the circles down. That's all of their strengths. And Yamamoto, I, I agree, Yamamoto, for the longest time, he was playing with Leon, who it was and is the NHL's leading scorer. And at one point, he had six points. When Leon had 40, it wasn't good enough. Not even close to being good enough. And at that point, he should have been moved down. Now, he's played well as of late, and he was very good tonight. He was very good in this hockey game, and he's trying to earn his spot in the top six. Now, most players, and the one thing that the caller just talked about was most Oilers um, first-rounders have had to work their way up. That's not entirely true, because most of the Oilers first-rounders were very high first-round picks. They got quite a bit of ice time early. Yamamoto has had a longer string than most, and some nights he hasn't deserved it. But the thing with the Oilers is they haven't had any other options. And I think that's the biggest thing, is the Oilers haven't had options. They're starting to get them. The addition of Hyman. Fogel is not a top six forward, and I think we've seen that. He's much more suited to play in your third line, and that's where the Oilers would be much more effective if he was there. The Oilers are another, they're still a top six forward away from being having two elite top six line or top two lines and then you can put Nugent Hopkins in your third line and that makes a very good lineup if you can have Nugent Hopkins as your third line center all right I found the article November 2003 it was Dick Vermeil when he was coaching Kansas City uh he gave he said he would give Morton Anderson the an kicker. expensive bottle of wine if he kicked a game-winning field goal against Oakland uh, which he did, and then the NFL said, no, 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 that's a performance bonus that is not mentioned in the contract. Well, it's funny. I'm pretty sure that his he was going to try to kick the field goal anyways. Yeah. It's like, you know what, I'm, I'm not sure if I want to make this or not. You're going to give me wine? Well, you know what, now that I'm getting no, no, wine, <laughs> I'm going to do that. And that's kind of funny. It was, a, it was a kicker's weekend this weekend in the NFL, so it kind of ties right into that. All right, uh, Darren, we're going to get to you in a couple minutes. We just got to call a quick timeout. The Oilers rally to win 3-2 in overtime against the Canucks. This is Heartland Ford Overtime. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. As the Oilers buzzing, down by one with 9.39 to go into third across. Dreisaitl scores! Yeah, huge pressure from the Oilers there. Started on a power play. They kept it up. Nugent Hopkins goes across the ice to Dreisaitl, who fires it a one-timer, his 29th of the season. That tied it with 9.36 to go. The Oilers did have to kill off a penalty in the third period after that, the only uh, time they were shorthanded tonight. And then McDavid wins it in overtime. The shot's in overtime, 9-1 in favor of Edmonton. So they finally cash in to get the 3-2 victory. Okay, let's go back to the Certainty hotline. We have Darren standing by. Hello, Darren, go ahead. Hey, guys, what a game, eh? Yeah, no kidding. Um, Just before the point I was actually calling in about... uh, that last call you had, I thought that was kind of funny. Like, um, just the whole Yamamoto thing. Like, if you want to bring Tippett into it, I think a coach's job, like the coach is coaching in the here and now, not 
what has happened in the last 40 games or whatever. Yamamoto had eight points in his last nine coming in. Um, so I don't know who else was going to play with McDavid when Pugliarvi's with dry settle. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting call. Um, the point I was actually going to get at was, so Spencer Martin, I mean, it's a very small sample size, but this game against Florida and his game tonight looks like a pretty solid goaltender. And the way the Canucks are going, I think they're going to be selling the farm over there to some extent. I think that opens up the possibility of a maybe one of the goalies there. I don't know if it's Halak yeah. or Martin or Jared. I got to hand it to you. Martin is the not if Martin is the uh, like the guy no, he, for Edmonton, but I just uh, mean. I, uh, Pack is with the D-man or something like that? What do you guys think? Well, first of all, i got to add it to you because i, I got to admit, halfway through the second period, I thought, when are we going to get that call after the game? <laughs> About <laughs> well, what's, Spencer what's, Martin. Fu- what's funny, Reed, wasn't Demko, he was like second, third string guy that had the good playoff and ended up stealing the job a couple years ago. Well, he was a second string guy that had yeah. the hot playoff run and then kind of moved up. Moved but he's, he, the, he's a good goalie. He's, a he's good got goal, a nine. Yeah. He's got a nine seventeen save percentage. I mean, he's yeah. not going to be available. No, it'd be Halak. Might be able to get Halak cheap, who's has a nine fifteen save percentage. But, he's only played eight games. But the Vancouver Canucks have belief they can get back in this playoff race, and they will for quite a while. They might not in a they're, month. Well, no, but they're not. I can't see them doing making a trade with the Edmonton Oilers in the same division. Well, fair comment. Okay. That would, yeah, a little that, more rare for sure. Fair. Fair, but, but, but good point. Like, like, good point, because that kid has played well, and it's kind of hard to say, all right, you're going to go back down and be our fifth-string goaltender again because, ooh, you're pretty good. Darren, are you still there? Go ahead, man. Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got you. Okay. Um, like, I was thinking, like, they have Demko, right, and he's a young goalie, so he's going to be the number one there for who knows how long, right? So a guy like Martin, if he shows he can play – I don't know if it's conceivable for Vancouver to trade him to Edmonton, but at this point, like you're not going to have to give up much for Martin. He's played, I think, less than 10, 10 games in the NHL. He's um, five, like, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, so like, imagine if you could pull something off for Martin and you have Skinner and Martin in the pipeline and you got two goalies over 30, and Skinner's looking like he can be in NHL every day and let's say next year, maybe the year after, right? I thought that was kind of... Just what I saw tonight, like the save he's making, like like he looked like a solid goalie, and he's only he, twenty six. So yeah, he did. He looked. Yeah, he's he not old for sure. He looked very comfortable in that. Um, what I hope, and I don't know if he becomes an Edmonton Oiler, I hope that he gets an opportunity to play somewhere. I really do. Uh, it's it's a nice story in a in a silly year where you know players are out with COVID protocol, and you got at one point they had four goalies in it, and. But it opened up opportunities. And this kid had zero chance of playing in the NHL this year. None. And all of a sudden, all your goaltenders get COVID at the same time. Put on him for making, uh, having the, the, the nights that he's had with this opportunity. Because as I think Connor McDavid said after the game, it's either feast or famine. The guy comes in no one knows about. He either has stands on his head or what we've seen with Ottawa in the last couple of years where the goaltender comes in and, and is absolutely horrific. So... I hope that this audition that he has had gets him a chance to play somewhere in the National Hockey League next year because he deserves it. And 
to see what he's capable of doing. And I, I know that Jack talked about it on the game. He's undefeated this year in the American Hockey League. So uh, I hope he gets. I hope he gets a chance. I don't know if it's here or not, but I do hope he gets a chance to play. Yeah, and he's a UFA after the season. So uh, I mean, maybe yeah. he's gonna and somebody's I- gonna take its chance on him as a as a backup in the offseason. Anyway, the the Canucks also have Michael DiPietro, who is younger by four years and also someone they drafted in in the third round. And, and I mean, as well, we all know, teams tend to lean towards their own draft picks if they're going to hang on to somebody. Yeah, what I, what I was going to add on is I think the Canucks are pretty hot on Di Pietro, so that makes a guy mm-hmm. um, who's 26, like, so younger starter who's, like, I think Demko's, what, 25, 26? I could be off by a year or two. Um, and you have a backup in Halak, and you have Di Pietro coming up the pipeline, and this guy's come in and looks like he can play. Well, that kind of leaves the opportunity to get something for him and let him go flourish elsewhere because you've already yeah. kind of got what you yep, need in goal absolutely right. yeah. for the future, I think. Yeah, yeah. Demko's 26. He'd be a cheap yeah. pickup, too. And Demko just signed a and long-term oddly deal, enough, too. It was Demko that uh, supplanted uh, Markstrom during that little run they yeah, had in the second it, yeah. round in 2020 interestingly enough so yeah that's yeah. uh that's pretty neat how that worked out hey darren thanks for calling man we appreciate it thanks guys okay we'll take another quick timeout. ryan mcleod got a goal tonight you'll hear from him next on heartland ford overtime open line oilers hockey is brought to you by friesen brothers this is the heartland ford overtime open line here's reed wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Here's shot from the right wing, scores! Down the right side, McLeod weasels it in on the short side, and the Oilers have cut the lead to 2-1. to one. Ryan McLeod's fifth of the season got the comeback started as the Oilers go on to beat the Vancouver Canucks 3-2 in overtime. Here's McLeod. Ryan, you guys uh, broke a seven-game losing streak on Saturday. You guys come out with a gutty effort tonight. How important was it to follow up that win Saturday with the W tonight? Yeah, I think it was huge. Uh, you know, obviously coming off a, a big losing streak, we're looking to get some momentum and you know, won a big one against uh, Calgary in the Battle of Alberta, and it kind of you know, got our team back uh, back to where we want to be. Um, you know, Miko's been playing great the last two games, so hope we can keep rolling. You talked about Miko Koskinen, the guy on the other side of the ice tonight. Martin was very good. Were you surprised to see your shot go in? Uh, I mean, he was he was playing unbelievable. I'll give him credit. He was you know he's shutting the door for us you know all game or against us all game, and um, you know kind of just those little squeaker ones that go in first and kind of opens the door for the rest of them. So it was uh, it was good to see you go in. For so many times throughout your guys' losing streak, you guys are talking about not being able to catch a break. Did you guys feel like you guys caught a break on your goal tonight? For sure. I think, uh, you know, we've been looking for, you know, the first one, and we haven't been getting it. We went down, you know, 2-0 in the last two games. Uh, but we've been battling back hard. I think, uh, you know, it was just good to get a, get, a, get one back, and I think we had, we had a lot of momentum going, and we just kept rolling with it. Of course, allowing the first goal, let alone the first two goals, is not a recipe for success. But throughout the season, you guys never show any quit. Yeah, sometimes the results don't go your way. But the quit is never there. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, um, you know, we got a really resilient group in there. I think everyone, you know, knows so much we could, uh, you know, how quick we can score in bunches. And and uh, you know, Miko shut the door there, so that was huge for us. I think uh, you know we just gotta keep rolling with that. What can you say about your team's ability to keep on pressing, especially on that power play? You guys kept going. Martin made a couple of great saves, but you guys didn't let your foot off the gas pedal. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think just our bench has been really good. I mean, we have, you know, Connor and Leon, who's, you know, 
set the tone for us. You know, like obviously that huge goal there. So um, I think our team is just you know super resilient. We could uh, you know always get back in games, and we should keep uh, keep rolling and and uh, you know keep getting those wins. One more question for me, Ryan. That save by Miko Koskin on the penalty kill. I know you probably wanted that first one back, but to come up big in that moment. Yeah, that was huge. I mean, it's kind of make or break for the game. It felt like if that one went, went through, you never know what's going to happen. So that was a huge save. You know, he was, he was solid all night and uh, you know, really shut the door for them or for us. So that was, uh, that was unbelievable. It was really good to see. I just asked, sorry if you answered this already, but just the goal of what you were seeing against a goalie you probably hadn't seen before on that chance. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, early in the shift, I kind of, I had a chance to shoot, and I tried to make a pass, and I've been kind of getting, you know, they've been kind of telling me to shoot the puck a bit more, so it's coming down the wing, and you know, just thought you put one on that, and it you know, luckily squeaked through. It's the mindset when you, you're playing against a goaltender that you probably don't know a lot about, and he's playing as well as that. Yeah, well, uh, he's actually uh, the goalie in, uh, in Mississauga in junior hockey before, you know, I got there, so I kind of know about him, you know, pretty well. So, um, but yeah, he's been playing unbelievable the last two games. Uh, you know, he was shutting the door for them, like I was saying, and uh, he was lucky to get one through, and then we kind of started rolling with it. That's two in a row where you guys have come back from down 2 nothing. What does that say about this team, and what does it do for the confidence of them? Yeah, I think it just shows how resilient we are. We, you know, we haven't been uh, you know, letting off the gas all year, and we're kind of finally getting our bounces, so hope we can keep rolling with it. That is Ryan McLeod gets a goal tonight. Leon Dreisaitl ties it up. Connor McDavid from Darnell Nurse wins it in overtime. The Oilers outshoot the Canucks. 50 to 27, including 24 10 in the third period in overtime as the Oilers grab their 20th win of the season, their 2016 and 2. Our next game broadcast on 6 30, Chad, coming up on Thursday, 5 30 face off show game at 7 as the Oilers will host the Nashville Predators. You can always get more on the team on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. Big thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer tonight. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Hartland Ford Overtime Open Line.